Hello, welcome to MySpot Talks. I'm Chetan Shah, hosting a series of podcasts for the global events industry. In this week's episode, we're talking virtual with agencies and welcome Dale Parmenter, CEO of DRP Group, Steve Quar, founder and CEO of Cheerful 21st, and Dina Green, Managing Director of Orange Door. Okay, we are live. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Chetan here at MySpot. Uh, welcome to the talks today where we're talking to agencies about virtual um we are recording this this is going into the forum so if um you have got questions as always chat box please pop it pop them into there and i'll try and bring them in and bring them to the speakers uh sharing best practice as always honest and open um so we can recover faster and stronger a few quick things on MySpook. um we have launched our virtual sectors on MySpook, so virtual studios virtual experiences virtual agencies and virtual platforms, which you can advance search on all of those categories. So if you're looking for uh, an agency that specializes in the pharma sector that has experience in virtual, or you're looking for a platform that does networking, you can search all of these different criterias. If you're looking for experiences and you're looking for cooking ones or fitness ones, that's where you can go on mysport.com. And if you have supplies that are really good, please do add them. Um, you can make notes on them just in your, and they're only seen by the rest of your organization. Um, so that's all gone live, as well as our V Awards, more information coming out soon, celebrating the incredible work these agencies have done in this really incredible year. But there has been some amazing work, and I hope to release some information soon about categories and judging and all the rest of it. Um, next week's... Uh, talks we're going to do horror stories on virtual um yeah i think it's going to be really interesting i've already had a few i've talked to a few people that have just absolutely i don't know how i mean it just sounds horrific for them and their teams when it's bombed it's just gone so badly wrong and hopefully they're going to be brave enough to share maybe not not definitely not drop names but just that experience i can't, I can't imagine and i guess it's just like a live event going belly up or the power going or something so that's next wednesday's talk and finally 2nd of december is our larger MySpot talks to industry voices about incentive and luxury and the future of so that's 2nd of december all details on our talks page all right, let's get into it. Um, delighted to have three fantastic CEOs and MDs of agencies to share their insights into virtual and hybrid. I'm going to go to Dina first. Intro, please. Tell us about you, your, your company. And let's ask you another question. Do you see in 2021 the makeup of virtual being more than 50% of your business? Um. I'm Dina Green. I'm the Managing Director of Orange Door. Thank you very much for having me. Um, we are a brand experience agency. We do events. Uh, we have been for the past 20 years. Um, and I think that I've mentioned before on forums and things like that is that, and as we all know, the, the hybrid and virtual world is not brand new. Um, we have been doing it for the past sort of 12, 14 years. Um, it's just that clients weren't really picking up on it uh, that much. It was a bit of an add-on. It was to amplify reach. But um, obviously, with uh, COVID, it has brought it to centre stage. Um, uh, so very quickly, um, we, you know, we were doing it a little bit before. Uh, you know, we I think the first one we did was like 12 years ago. Certainly the first one that I did personally in another life was, a, was about 12 years ago. 
Um, um, but obviously when COVID came, uh, we did all of the tears. We threw ourselves on the floor, me and my CEO, Elizabeth, and, and we cried about it. We thought, oh shit, what's going on? Um, but we quickly picked ourselves up and we suddenly look at what looked at the skill set that we had in house and went, right, well, we, you know, people still need to communicate. In fact, people still need to communicate more than ever now because they're not bumping into each other and having those serendipitous kind of uh, uh, encounters. Uh, so therefore we need to manage it and structure it for people to be able to meet. Um, very lucky to have an in-house um, sort of technical team uh, that can talk technical things that I really don't understand, still don't understand, but I can sell it to a client, which is the main thing. Uh, but I do rely on the, on, on the team to actually do all of the uh, technical side of things. But luckily we had some team members in-house fully employed that could take this and lead this and move this forward. So we have been exceptionally lucky, or as I like to say, we have made our own luck um, and we have uh, been able to um, um, grow our business a little, um, uh, certainly in this area over, over this time. So um, yeah, so really excited to be here. Um, do we think that... <laughs> is going to be virtual in, in 2021 did you say yeah uh, definitely um i don't think that we are going to be getting back to the good old days in the way that we used to at all i think there'll always be a hybrid and virtual element um but also i don't think that we're going to be getting really i mean the clients that I've been speaking to are not prepared to get back together in large numbers until earliest June time. Um, and uh, that isn't just even with the vaccine coming along, etc. There's going to be a sense of um, nobody wants to be the one. Nobody wants to be that one brand that has COVID spread at their event. So their appetite for risk, probably quite rightly on that one, because it would be terrible PR, um, would, uh, you know, th they're going to be making sure that, you know, most of the population is vaccinated. And then that comes down to, are we going to be vaccinated? You know, I'm hoping, you know, my, I hope my mother-in-law will be vaccinated very, very soon, but I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be at the bottom of the list of that, um, as as will lots of other people that will be traveling to events. So definitely, if not more than 50%. Yeah, thank, thank you, Dina. Um, Dale, <laughs> intro, please. Uh, so Dale Parmenter, CEO of DRPG. We're a full service agency. I've uh, been going for 40 years. My background actually is in broadcast. That's where I started when I, um, uh, my first job uh, was in a production unit and I did uh, quite some time at the BBC working on things like, dare I say, it, the original series of All Creatures Great and Small uh, back in the late 70s and uh, things like Pebble Mill at One, if anybody remembers that, probably don't. Um, so um, we've got a big, big video production team, big digital team. Uh, so uh, when when it all happened back in March, it was relatively simple for us to to do the switch. Uh, we've got the studios here, and uh, you know, like Dina, we, we we've been doing it for for many many years, but 25 years we've been doing virtual, and it all came about actually with one of the, the first petrol strikes uh, that we couldn't get delegates to an event, um, so we did a hybrid event using some very basic technology at the time, video conference units and uh, ISDN lines 
because there was no internet then. Um, so, and every year, yeah, we'd probably do I don't know, five or six virtual events a year. And that's now massively grown. I'd never have thought this. We've done over 450, over a million uh, viewers so far. Uh, and we're now out of 11 studios, um, one of which being um, an outside broadcast fan that goes around. So, uh, yeah, really interesting time. Uh, I used to love studios. I used to, my dream was to have a complex full of studios. Now I've got that. Be careful what you wish for, because I'm not sure <laughs> I like it anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Dale. Um, Steve. Thanks, Chair. Um, Steve Quar. Um, CEO of uh, Arima Communications PLC, uh, but the brands you probably know the agency that I run, a Cheerful 21st and Eventful. Cheerful 21st being a brand experience and comms agency, full service and Eventful being incentives and venue hire. Um, much like the guys, uh, Dina and Dale saying, um, we've been doing virtual and hybrid in some sort of guys for many years. It's been part of the comms mix going forward. It used to be called uh, two-way broadcasting and you know multi-linking. So it was a relatively smooth switch to kind of just polish off some of those creds and kind of step up for the challenges that were beset by our clients in March. Um, like the guys here, we, we've successfully and uh, more, more than expected, to be honest, um, engaged with all our clients and taken them on a journey with us and are doing lots and lots and lots of virtual. Um, uh, the skill set we had in the house and comms and strategy first, puts you in good stead it's just a different channel now so in some ways it doesn't matter as much if you just pure play production it probably would matter um and we had a big video team and a big video department that is obviously really really busy um and yeah like the guys you know, i think we've got 50 events booked in in november you know and as a, as a churn rate compared to live that's a huge amount of projects to manage um and to answer your specific question absolutely more than 50 percent next year um, for a couple of reasons, um, what we're seeing is actually more campaign-led and much more joined-up communications. So if you start off with virtual, we're planning on the comms plans that actually end in November next year anyway, irrespective of live coming back or not coming back. And that's definitely a shift we're seeing generally with a lot of clients. And the, the word going backwards or going back to the old way, that, that's just kind of out the window now. It's kind of moving on to what's new, what's effective, and what do the clients need. And that's... Um, where we're thriving as an agency going forward, if that helps. An interesting point we, we've had on that with clients where we're now starting to plan the second virtual event in an annual event. And we've had some feedback from a couple of CEOs are saying, while it was brilliant, I don't want to do it again, uh, yeah. but I'm happy to maybe go hybrid where we've got multiple yeah, sites. Yeah, so, but it's interesting that um, some of the CEOs who are passionate about live events, passionate about their comms, internal comms particularly, uh, said, yeah, once is enough. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. I think um, it's quite interesting when you're brainstorming and trying to be really creative, how how much more is, is a challenge to be that creative and engaging with your audience online mm. as to a lot of experience. And that may be mm. sort of muscle memory in a certain extent with some of our team. Um, but where we are getting a lot of cut through is actually just results and sales mm. conversations. Yeah. And therefore an event's gone to 2,000 people instead of 300 people. And they've mm. actually got better results. And we can't fight that. And we're ultimately we've got live people like everyone here. Um, mm. And just to your point, Dale, I think hybrid will come back, but to be honest, we also need to define what hybrid means. 
because mm. to me doing a studio event is a hybrid event i think you know hybrid, yeah, yeah. you're more audience then that's a different conversation altogether. yeah and yeah. also i'm just going to add on, on that note the other great thing that we found the clients are really loving is that of course we can get great data and great stats from a live event but you can really get some very precise data and precise stats about some specific individuals when you're doing the virtual. And so when you're go looking at the um, sales cycle and you see exactly what they're thinking about and you, you, you uh, marry that up with uh, other data tools that you can do, um, that lots of free ones out there as well. When you marry these two together with the actual facts that you're getting from the virtual you're being able to produce real return on investment and real information and data to the clients that they didn't really have as precisely as before i don't want to poo poo of course there are great ways of li at live events to get great data um but this is like how long they're actually staying in a room how they engage how long they engage for what they engage in etc um and it's a lot more um there's a lot more precision around it which i think that marketing uh directors are enjoying Mm. Absolutely, I echo that, Dina. And I think what's interesting is the stats that are growing above and beyond the actual live event itself and the conversation pieces around that. And you know, there's a whole world about pre records on demand stuff as well, just kind of growing out the comms mix mm. in, in our platform yeah. as well. Yeah, I think I the extension it. of the audience is is really attractive to a lot of organizations where, if you say, going from 300 to 2,000 now. Um, but we're still getting pushback from people are saying, yeah, but you can't beat the, I was there, I was in the room. When yeah. we launched that new product, when I saw that speaker, whatever it is. And I think that's where live events will always win. And I have to agree with that. <laughs> we didn't yeah, know. I mean, that, that, that is the holy grail, those intimate <laughs> conversations, that ambient dropping in, and, and, and we're all trying to recreate that online. And I do think it's improving. But, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, there's live and there's live, isn't there? So, you know, you can't... Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think if you looked at, at the way television works, um, if, if it was so successful in terms of engaging an audience, why would anybody pay to go and see football or pay to go and see for F1 or Absolutely. the Olympics or whatever it is? It's that emotional shared experience of being in the same space uh, as other people. And actually, your, your experience might not be as good from a, a visual point of view, uh, but it was that emotional sharing of an experience. No, I, thank God. I, that's why theatre is still here from the Greek times, you know. So. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I actually love the fact that I don't need to say anything. This is brilliant. This is, I keep going. But, <laughs> we'll keep going. Yeah. No, I, 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 will, I will try and, um, no, but this is brilliant. Thank you so much already for just great honesty and but some amazing points already raised. And Dina, whilst I agree, I can see why stats and there is a lot of precise, as you called it, um, data. I wonder how much it lives in your heart and your mind as to, to the point about live events. So, yes, they engaged or they watched. But, you know, depending on the type of event, I've, you know, and it's probably more of a statement that live will stay in your heart and your mind a lot longer, probably. Um, so for, for the right things, it's probably virtually is amazing and, and probably can excel the messaging. But um yeah what, what do you guys think of in terms of uh the impact of of live and compared to can you can you recreate it really on virtual i don't think ever anything ever beats that um especially that 
moment where you bump into somebody in the bar after a session and you're mm. having a glass of wine. I mean, I've had some of my best new business pickups there, you know, at that, you know, at that time. Um, met some of the people that have become great, great longtime acquaintances and friends. Um, and I think that there are some amazing engagement tools that you can use on your virtual events, but we are human. Um, and we, you know, being human means being with people um, and being able to feel that sense of togetherness. And my God, I'm sounding like I'm being a little bit emotional here, but um, <laughs> but, it, but it's true, you know, the more that you can have an emotional impact on somebody, the, lo the longer the memory is gonna last with them. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that we've been trying to do with the virtual events we have found. I mean, one of the questions you were asking uh, before, Chet, was the fact that, you know, how do, what, what have we changed from what we were doing back in the spring to now? One of the things that we found has been really effective with clients is bringing that live element into it and that physical element into it and that shared physical element. So if you can send a group of people the same thing that they open together and they share together, that seems to last. We get great feedback on that mm. kind of thing. And it's not just it being a gift, you know, like you get your pens at an exhibition or whatever it might be. It's actually something that you make and you do and you build and you experience together. So even though it's virtual, we're still relying on that live bit and that physical bit. It's just that mm. we're having to send it to people. So, you know, that's definitely been a change um, and answers the question is, you know, it's that human side and you can't really replace that kind of physical shared experience for sure. I mean, D Dale, to your earlier point about the CEO that said, we did it once, it was amazing, but I don't want to do it again. Is that, was that the reason why? Or was it yeah, things? I mean, for, for him, I mean, we've got a few CEOs, as probably we all have, who are showmen, basically. <laughs> they love to be on the stage. They, You know, it's their event. I, I once said to a, a, a CEO of a huge organization, 117,000 employees, and I said, right, we can put a model in here to measure some of that. I'm not interested in any of that. I just know it was successful because I can stand on that stage and I can feel the warmth and the emotion from the room. You love those clients, don't you, I love those clients. That's <laughs> easy, then. All I need to do is make him look good and he's great, you know. So, um, but it, it, and so, you know, we're not going to create that because what the CEO is not getting or the, the senior people is any feedback there and then off the stage. They're not living and breathing that emotion and that, that shared experience. So uh, that's another good sign for all of us that are in the events industry, because we're playing almost just people's egos a little bit in, in that way. And, and what, what he said to me this particularly, he said, well, okay, well, I'd go for hybrid. Because in hybrid, of course, you've still got an audience. So you can you can have then regional hubs of maybe 100 people in each or 200 people in each. And I think that's probably the way it's going to start to go. Uh, and I think it was going to go anyway, you know, with the whole... You know, people racing off around the world on planes and getting 10,000 people into, an, into a convention centre, it's probably not going to be appropriate in the future. So, but, uh, so I think hybrid in that sense of creating hubs with live audiences in there, maybe the next way we go. Um, something I, something, thank you, Dale. Um, Steve, coming back to you, um, I, I sort of, guesstimation I guess that people do want to go back to live of course the the event planners because it's their jobs it's why they're in their jobs they want to go back to live as soon as possible as long as it's safe I think the CEOs from what I've heard and from what Dale's just said they also want to go back to live and 
Dina said earlier on about, you know, they don't want to, you don't want to be that event, which is a super spreader event. So is it the middle tier, the procurement, the finance, is it that level that is probably putting the brakes on more rather than at the CEO level? What's your take on it? What, the, on, the, on, on from doing live or, or virtual? Yeah. I think um, there's live. a couple of things that come to mind. First of all, I think I'm, I'm a live person like everyone here. You know, when the hair's in the back of your neck, stand up in emotion and people cry and cheer. Long may that continue, but I think it's going to be more selective coming out of this, as in why you're going to put an event on and what the purpose is. You know, if it's a sales event and it's a trade fair or it's a kind of expo type thing, I don't think you can recreate, recreate that online because if you do actually research where they've taken like lines, example, where they had like 50,000 delegates turn up, you talk to the exhibitors, they made zero sales conversions. That's a bit extreme. So it doesn't work in that world. And taking that kind of whole expert experience virtually is a challenge you know gamification stuff to get that but going back to our learning experience or shared you know shared shared feeling of uh, culture and values and entertainment of course that's live um but to your question uh it's actually driven by health policy at the moment because like we've got some studio work that's been cancelled despite the fact we can work in the studio uh because you know they can't send their delegates out um but i think um fundamentally will come out again of the results because you know, we're going to enjoy this period of actually measurement and actually some ROI stats that actually stand up to scrutiny. That the CFO more, I think, or the CMO is going to go, okay, we did X amount of these events, it's generated these sales leads, we'll do more of this. And it won't be live at all. Uh, and it will be kind of an extension of you know, virtual, on-demand, hybrid, uh, or shifting into, you know, under the word marketing much more. And I think that's a challenge for everybody here, is that, uh, you know, the advertising and marketing world has kind of been a little bit siloed in that world, but we're, we're encroaching in that kind of land now. They're coming in our land. So guys, hang on to that audience skills, mm. what we're about. Audience engagement mm. and, and telling stories and engaging staff. So whatever the mix is, but um, yeah. And I think, you know, just to add, you know, the word vaccines now in our vernacular a little bit more, that's just another consideration. I think there's a slightly more optimistic hope that we'll see life come back a bit earlier, thank God. Um, so it's, it's, it's really still to be made up, I think, still to be formed. I think we're all learning the, the engagement piece around the, the networking and you know, the coffee conversations. There'll be some little breakthrough and some clever technique that you know, will actually resonate with some clients uh, and they will do more of that and that'll get one step closer to that immersive experience. Um, but like Dale says, a lot of shows we do are for people just to you know, showboat and mm. glad hands and just have a party. Yeah, and, and just to crystallise that up, you know, I think the ultimate challenge for all of us is like when we get a, a Christmas party brief online, which is one of your questions. So that's the ultimate social experiment online. It ain't going to work, guys. Just it ain't going to work, you know. So you can do entertainment and you're going to make it slightly business focused and you're going to make it slightly objective. But uh, again, you know, long may they'll come back, big parties and entertainment and festivals. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think, it, I think, yeah, once we get beyond that, just pushing out a message on virtual, whether it's a virtual exhibition, virtual workshop, whatever it is, that Christmas party thing is so different. We've got six booked in at the moment. And I, heart of heart, I'm thinking, I wouldn't want to go to that party. <laughs> <laughs> Sit at home on my own with a bottle of wine and watching, you know, it's basically watching a TV show. That's what you're doing. You're recreating a Saturday night TV show. Uh, and, and you know it's and it's great and it'll be wonderful, but you won't beat that being in the room. No, 
I totally, I totally, Dell, I, I totally agree with that. However, at the moment, while people can't get to go together, oh yeah, there's no choice. I mean, this is I what mean, we have to do. It's yeah. a nice thing to do, and again, it's if they can have a shared experience together. I mean, I do it with mm. my team. We've got a few Christmas parties booked, and we've also just uh, we're doing our own Christmas party for mm. our as well. You know, um, and um, and again. It's that shared experience. At least you're going to be able to have that, you know, moment to laugh at your CEO, yeah. to laugh at, you know, just to have a laugh with them in some way or other. But I agree with you. I mean, I am the biggest party advocate you'll meet. I love my party. <laughs> and that's actually how I got into events in the first place was organizing parties. Um, mm. Suddenly got a little bit more serious than that, but... Um, but you know, you know, you can't beat that. But while we can't do it, I think that we need to look at. And I saw, hello Sue, by the way, hello Sue Gold. I saw that she's she's put a comment on here is that we have to remember the end game is that we need to return to real live events. Um, you know, I get that we absolutely do. However, for now, hi Sue, I was just seeing your picture come up. Um, but for now, um, you know, it you know we have we have to do what we have to do with what we've got and what yeah. we can do, and that's be make making the virtual as best as we possibly can. Absolutely, as we can. Yeah, okay, I think. Um, yeah. Sorry, go on, Dale. Finish off. No, sorry. I'd, I'd say, but I think at that, but we that's when we have to switch into. I know, banged on about broadcast. We have to get become that TV show. I, I was I was writing the script to the outline script for our Christmas party. And I ended up, when I looked down, I thought, I've got 50 people in the studio. Yeah. I, I don't think I can do this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, let, let's go. I just want to touch on some quick lessons then that you've learned in this time. And I know that you've all been doing, you know, to some shape or form, you've been doing it longer than most, actually, probably. Um, in terms of what you're saying to your speakers and people that are on screen, what is the kind of messaging around what they deliver, how long they deliver it for, what's the optimal times, um, backgrounds, what have you learned in this period that that is working and is good? And what what is the don't do, you know, the don't do's now? What, what advice could you give to people coaching speakers and, and content? There's a whole manual. <laughs> <laughs> have you got it? Can you send it? Six months old, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I think there's a certain amount of common sense involved as well, to be honest. Uh, and um, I think kind of one of the earlier, one of the questions you're going to ask us earlier is it kind of what were the challenges for a lot of clients? And I think there's one underestimate, underestimating how complex and how much time you need to invest in a proper show online. Let's call it a show, an event online. And I think some of the challenges were not given enough time. Uh, became very platform focused. And I want to talk about that, you know, the whole platform features and functions briefing process, which has nothing to do with what we do really. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and three things, you know, there's, there's strategy, strategy, what are you saying, why are you saying it, the content piece and production value. And I think Dale and Gina, we actually get this production value yeah. is it's more complicated to do a content piece to camera professionally engaging you than it is in a live experience space. And that was a bit of an education process. So if you hive that a normal live conference and you hive that you're on stage bit, yeah, and you, you, you put the cost allocation to that, it's a lot less than doing a live piece because mm. content, you can't have enough content. And if you if you want to do an opening 15 minutes, have 20, 30 pieces of content, videos, things, 
all broadcasting. If you did like a show, they'll they'll absolutely get this. Um, there, there, there is a lot of science around actually learning periods. As in, you know, it takes. I think traditionally in a live event, you say something two point five times, you remember it. In a virtual thing, you got to say it six and a half times. Now, it's not six and a half times in the conference. It might be the pre-engagement piece. It might be the story you say. It might be the opening bit. It might be the gamification bit. It might be the closing bit. So again, that's kind of, that's a skill set. That is more value for us as an agency. That's more consultation. Uh, and then duration, you know, 26 minutes, normally live, 60 minutes. Some say I say it's shorter. I think it's 10, 12 minutes before we drift off. Um, that, that drift, I'm looking at my Google Outlook now. Anyway, so, um, so, uh, but they're easy skill sets, and I think for all the agencies here, it was a relatively for all my production team. You know, they're producers and project managers. Just so happens we're just going to sharpen some of our skills, uh, and then there's also quite a lot of backstage stuff that has to be done. You can't undercrew. <laughs> Don't undercrew. When they go, why have we got a show caller and a floor manager and a director and a camera and a well, because it's it's live and one second virtually one hour to us <laughs> mucking up. So that's probably been. An education process for clients, generally speaking, uh, and also as a trend, the budgets are being reflected with that today. I think mm. ridiculous budget to set at the beginning. You know, yeah. you know, a six-figure budget we normally do, we want to do it for you know a low double-figure number. They've gone, okay, now we actually need to spend more money mm-hmm. on content and video, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and actually get that right, and then 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 also expand the audience, get more engagement, get more value out of it, measure it, fine-tune it, measure it. Uh, and the kind of just just to round that off, what we're also discovering is we're getting much more uh, involved in brands once we get into a, a virtual event. It spreads out much quicker to do more events for people who never talked to before. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys are discovering that because oh, you did that one for the boss. Oh, can you do that for our division? Do that for our division, and it's it's a relatively fluid booking process. There's no venue involved. Uh, are you done it right? It's been approved. Didn't fall over. They love you. Oh, can we have some more of that? So. Mm-hmm. That's not a yeah. sort of success point. We've certainly seen that with clients where we may do, like they're a one event client a year, and now all of a sudden we've done 10 virtual events because yeah. they said, well, yeah, uh, this division wants it, that division wants it, et cetera. But what, what we've seen, it's been quite amusing, you know, people, presenters will walk in in that live event mode in their head. I've got my scripts, I want my lectern, I've got my slides, and you say, no, <laughs> let's just sit down and talk about this. For a start off, there's no audience, and they're really, some people who are very competent on a live stage now just fall apart yeah. when, when they're in the studio because, you know, they all there is is a couple of crew and, you know, a floor manager and, a, and some cameras, and, uh, and you've got to they start to train them. We talked about going back to that media training, really. Love the camera. And with some people, I've got it and I've really enjoyed it and can imagine that audience behind the camera. Others really struggle with it. And it's almost a, becomes a bit of a comedy program if you're not careful because they're doing all the whole you know, moves, the Alan Partridge stuff. Um, so in some cases, say, okay, let's just do this a different way. We'll do it as an interview. We'll do it on the sofa. We'll have a professional presenter and their host. Uh, then they can be put at ease. So you're having a chat um, one thing we did right in the early days, which worked really well, uh, was when we were doing the sofa chats and we were bringing lots of people in on Zoom or Teams, is to put life-size uh, or screens in the sofa. We, we had a sofa built that could take 42-inch um, monitors up on their side, uh, so portraits. And so 
whoever sat on the sofa now is talking to a life-size person. And it, it looked great. And actually, I, I did a few. And you were thinking you would, they, those people were in the room. So trying to create that live environment, so to help the presenters, who just found it completely alien at times. Mm. And when we say, well, no, you're not going to get a lectern, I'm sorry. Uh, because this is a TV show. This is not. This is not yeah, a conference that's anymore. A good point. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say on on that note with with the with the presenters. There's an awful lot more. They're used to walking onto a stage, as Dale was saying. But mm. um, there's an awful lot more about it. You know, you need to look at what your background is. Um, you need to make sure that there's not going to be things moving around in the background. You need to look at, um, you know, what the quality is. And if it's not great quality, what can you do to help them with that? Um, and we've had to send out a lot of equipment to people in, you know, you know, at their home office, you know, etc. Um, and what they wear. I know that you have to do that for a live um show on stage as well but it's just a, a whole different concept with it um and uh, you know the team spend a lot of time in rehearsals re-evaluating the lighting and you can do that much easier in a studio um and again i you know i agree with you Stephen, that that's more of a hybrid because you've got people physically you know when you're actually doing a pure virtual event where you're using somebody's home yeah. office equipment um, you really there's an awful lot of work that goes around with what the lighting is like, what the background is like, what the sound is like when you don't have the professional equipment to do it, which then brings on to the amount of clients that think it's going to be cheaper yeah. to do a virtual event and how infuriating that is. Yeah. They're spending, as you, you know, as Stephen said a moment ago, you know, they're spending, I don't know, 300 grand on an event that they usually do. And now all of a sudden they think that they can do it for 50. Yeah. Um, and and they can't you just and that's one of the things so we've now got into the habit with our clients when they come through with these kind of little uh, you you know it when they say things like um, we, we do need to be very careful about the money or you know they're specifically bringing that up we now rather than putting a full creative and strategic proposal together we're putting together a budget of this is the basics before you get any bells and whistles if you're not going to give us a budget this is what you're looking at before we because we've done that we've been burnt you know you can spend you know a good yeah. week yeah i mean to be to be fair to clients though is that they also i, th I think it was quite hard for them to buy the service in the early yeah. days mm. and also how to scope out and put a budget together and i think um i think innocently they thought that's what they could get so i think part of the kind of learning with our clients is is, is guiding through and just showing what the value is and also they have gone off to what I would call just pure platform providers and come back with a shocking experience back to an yeah. agency and go, okay, now we actually understand what the production value rehearsals yeah. and the fact that you're going to storyboard my content uh, means. So, you know, thank God for that as a good faith in what we do. Um, on, the, on the platform providers, they were inundated. Oh, no service levels. Keep up with the demand. <laughs> They could not service anybody. It was, uh, you know, it, it, they were like, ah, what do we do? <laughs> they were really in a bad place with that. So um, that's definitely, and, and, and yes, sorry to all, all clients out there that came and thinking it was going to be cheaper. But we, we were all just learning that together, really, you know. Yeah, do, you, exactly. do you think this has paved, there, there's a question by Paul um, asking about budgets. And if we are, you know, if the next phase is moving to hubs and, uh, rather than one large event, several hubs with production, with um, with um, being hybrid and amplifying, the costs are obviously going to go up. So do you think this 
learning curve has paved the way that people do appreciate a you've got to put more into the production but b to do the hubs etc the budgets do need to go up mm. or do you think they'll just do less events with the same amount of budget or, or how do you see the budget piece being being well, addressed client now rather than rather than us clients say <laughs> <laughs> well what have you seen uh, also, if... what do you mean by the budget you including flying flying a thousand people first class around the world and three nights in the hotel then ultimately net, net wise will be a lot better value as a solution no. so again you know that's that that's another complication to the whole mix going forward but I don't think there's going to be massive savings uh, yeah. along the way. And, and I think, you know, certain some conversations we had with procurement are looking this as an opportunity to cut costs. And we're saying, well, now actually, you, you need to probably allow more budget uh, for some of these events because of those production values you need to put in place. Yes, you could just use you know, Zoom or Teams or whatever, but you're not going to get the you're not going to get the return that you require on that budget. Yeah, and I think I think. Um... One of the biggest challenges would actually will be about hybrid, about whose audience is leading the uh, the, yeah, the, yeah. the solution. Because ultimately, uh, if you do a three uh, real world example, three day event, we're do normally doing about six hours. Well, one day event, we're trying to do an hour and two hours at max. Yeah, but that's for the virtual on screen audience. But if you have an audience participation, you don't want to be like clapping like in a studio watching you know TV show. So therefore, who who what leads? So therefore, the hybrid and an audience factor, I think, then makes much more sense. But it needs to be geographically located because you need a hundred people here, hundred people here, hundred people here. Then it becomes a shared experience and a longer time, and you get more engagement pieces. So that's 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 interesting. That's exciting yeah, to us. And and we've done quite a lot of those and uh, in the past, and and I love those because you have got that shared experience. You know, 100, 200, 300 people in different rooms yeah and you, they can go off and say okay we're gonna now cut the feed and we're all gonna go and do your own thing and then we're gonna come back and get some feedback where you know let's go to moscow let's go to new york let's get to this we've done all sorts of different wacky things on the hybrid side and i think that probably is going to be the next big thing mm. uh we're bringing people together we don't have to fly people around the world we can do more regional hubs uh, time zones we've got to consider um yeah. We did a food tasting where we we were across the globe, UK in the middle, and the poor people in Taiwan were, it was midnight and they were still tasting. And fair news to them, they stayed online because they were loving it and you know, part of the entertainment. Was. Actually, no MSG, they weren't going to sleep anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so just just coming quickly onto platforms, are you guys with? With your service offering, are you platform technology agnostic or do you have your own platform or do you decide what the client needs and then decide what you're doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, Dina. Yeah, we've just been shouting about the fact that, you know, we, we did do, we spent the first part of March um, researching more and more and more platforms we knew a couple already but as i said we weren't doing it massively before and there's more that have come out and there's more that have adapted um because of the times well done them um so we actually um we just did a massive pitch for for a client um and one of the questions at the end was what platform are you doing this on and we said look don't worry about the platform worry about what you're trying to achieve and you know how we're going to engage people we've got the ideas we've got the concepts we've got the strategy here because we know that what when we're awarded the piece of business um we will be 
we will be working with the client, partnering with the client to be able to work out which bits they like, which bits they didn't like, because they never go precisely with exactly what you um, offered them in the pitch. And then once we've worked that out together, we can then work out what is the best platform for them. We just have to have good knowledge and keep on top of what are the best platforms out that's, there. That's, that's quite interesting because it's like a bit like um, a normal live event pitch. They always want to know what venue you're using or what, what because it's a big part of the mm. experience. And it's interesting. How, so how was that feedback received by the client? Were they, did they accept? Um... They accepted it completely. Right. Um, I mean, luckily they've done some stuff with us before. So we are a trusted source for them. I think that that makes us braver with going in into a pitch scenario like that for sure. Mm. Um, but we did assure them and we had done the due diligence that whatever we were offering was possible to do in some way or other. Um, we just needed to pick which direction that they wanted to go in. And that, that as I think, one of the nice things about all of this is that um, because it was, although, you know, we're all saying we've been doing these events before and we've been doing hybrid and virtual and et cetera, it wasn't our main thing. Well, it wasn't our main thing. Um, so I'm just being honest about the fact that when it comes to um, finding our way through this terrible year, um, we, you know, one of the things, it's actually made our clients really, really close to us. Um, you know, obviously some were close, but it's actually with brand new clients, they've almost become closer more quickly because we're kind of like learning it together and people are having patience and people are it's that it's that togetherness and that partnership that we are constantly selling to, to clients you know we are your partner we're not your supplier you know all of that kind of stuff well this really demonstrated that and I think that in times of, of adversity um you know that that can actually that's the positives that that, that come out of it um so yeah learning together has been a, a big positive for sure Bloody platforms, platforms. Like bloody platforms, platform, 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 bloody platforms. Um, <laughs> uh, look, we, we primarily like to, we are, we are technology agnostic, but we've had to take some of it in-house and curate our own platforms, primarily for service levels. To Dina's point, there's some great products that they couldn't aren't they couldn't cope with the demand. That's the first thing. Mm. I think the answer is, is that there's a whole mix. We're doing some very bespoke stuff that's kind of one-off stuff. Um, uh, and we're working with quite often quite a lot of our clients have have a, an approved platform for their corporation so therefore we're not involved in the platform um and i, I think interestingly uh, we have a saying in the house content is king but software almost rules we're never going to say rules but it's really quite in integral so it is that blend of stuff mm. you can't ignore it uh, and sometimes i do compare it to like a client saying well you're, you're almost asking in a live event world what projector we're using? What's the desk we're using? And you know, you don't want to know that shit. Mm. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. does it look like? It's yeah. cool. Um, and I think that <laughs> itself settled down a bit because to Dina's point, you know, in the early days, it was like, well, can you do that? Can you vote? Can you do that? And we go, for what? <laughs> so, you know, um, and, and a lot of work went to those guys originally and they couldn't cope with it because they're not set up for it. And it's come it's back it. to the you know, creative it's agency. It's a creative idea ultimately still. Mm. Is it is we, your one called Kit. Uh, Kit. Is yeah. that after Knight Rider? No. Well, <laughs> for, for the older, younger people, they didn't realise that. No, Kit, Kit's part of our team. Oh. Kit's a personality. And you need your kit, don't you? So anyway, that's God why we call it Kit. Sorry, uh, sorry, Dale. That's Dale, all right. You, oh, we, 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 we're slightly different because we, we've had a platform for which we developed, a big digital team, um, a few years ago, and we've used for virtual and hybrid. 
so we were ready up and running and we we've only used our own platform um, um, and what we've had to do is develop it a lot faster in terms of some of the things that we thought oh that'd be nice to have that functionality it's like I'll, i want it by next week uh functionality now so so um and it's it, it's done us really well um, um fortunately we've had a lot of security around it we we some of the work we'd been doing in the past had been with some of the financial institutions, so it would all, it was already audited and secure and let all the all the you know whatever it needs to meet. Uh, so yeah, we've stuck with our own platform, uh, even though we could push out onto any other platform if, you, if we wanted to. Uh, but we've tried to bring everybody in and use ours um, because it's tried and tested. Can I take Richard Waddington's comment about? about um he said most of the big regulated businesses are contracted into a platform procurement security etc so what we have found just on that note is that during this time procurement have been a lot more open to using different things because mm -hmm. um, marketing or whoever it is that we're dealing with have, have asked for this and then we work for one of the biggest tech firms in the world we do a lot of work with them and we have absolutely in in, um, integrated uh, different platforms for different events for them and they've let 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 us do that um, so I feel as though actually um, clients have been a lot more flexible than perhaps mm. you would, would have imagined in the first place as long as they've got the right security around them but then we wouldn't be using those kind of um, platforms that didn't so absolutely no I think it's 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 shifted from becoming business critical now so a lot of that red tape that we find from IT and procurement have just disappeared overnight which was great to see quite refreshing and Dale you've got um, I think you said 11 studios now which is pretty impressive yeah. around the country um, yeah. and it, uh, venues are gearing up and also refitting ballrooms etc because they know the work isn't mm -hmm. the live work isn't going to come back very quickly or in the same scale that it was um, have you what advice would you give to any venues and hotels to either temporarily kit up or gear up for the change or more permanently is it, have you what experience have you had with with live or with venues um in the past um one of the biggest issues is always connectivity uh what's the digital infrastructure uh within the venue because that is critical you know if you can't get the the pipe to get to the outside world well, then you're completely screwed. Um, so that would be the you know the first thing. The, the, the second thing would be actually the same as if we're attacking something, you know, the, the fixing points, the power requirements, the access, all those things. Um, sound has become more important at a live event. We may get away with a bit of clattering from behind the scenes, but microphones will be incredibly sensitive. So is the room soundproof? What echo is in the room? Do we need to drape the room because to dampen down? You know, it's got a big high ceiling. Um, so all those things, if we're fitting out a studio, we now have to look at ballrooms and conference rooms and say, are they suitable? Um, you know, daylight coming in, all that sort of stuff. So the, the, there's, a, there's a list of stuff you need to go through just to see whether it meets a, meets a certain criteria. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, in terms of just, Steve, you, you've got a, a US office just now, I think it's recently opened. Um, I don't know if you would know the answer to this question, but do you think the UK is at the forefront of all this 
virtual hybrid or are we in the middle are, are all european countries being just as active as we are in, in terms of they've all got communication needs and so on uh, or in the us the same i mean any global viewpoint of how this is going um good question. i mean i think um the reason for opening the us office was a demand for our skills from the uk side so that's a fundamental need uh with two or three particularly tech clients so who we work with Europe and wanted us to kind of go over to the US. Um, another reason is actually virtual is a bigger need to be 24 7 uh, because you're running 24 7 events. And we're, you know, an example, we did a, it started in Singapore, went around the world. We had an office location, East Coast, West Coast, and everyone was manning it. So there's a practical point, even though virtual, you think you don't need to be there. Um, and, I, and I think uh, one, America's huge, but I think American production standards are different from us. I won't say worse, I think they're different from us. And we find a lot of cut through one with our service levels, one with our actual creativity and our skill set. And we've got certain products here that are actually um, launched in the, in the US. Some, some of the platform products or some of our thinking, uh, and we get a lot of cut through for that. Um, despite, but saying that, there's a lot of advanced stuff going on in the States that we just don't not privy to. Um, I think they might be uh, and the bigger expo stuff. And that's basically because the, the various platforms are kind of hooked into that, and that's their world. They have a whole world of stuff that doesn't involve production value and, and content to me. It's just turning up and going to a seminar about toothpaste. I don't know. But, you know, so um, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's an interesting point. But I think uh, it's always something we wanted to do. We just accelerated it uh, in, in the time of trying to get, get kind of more business. Um, and in America, um, and it's just quite a fertile ground for British creativity, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think the British creativity, British production values um, will, will always win over. And we've picked up three US corporates uh, or corporations to do their virtual events in the States, although running out of our studios in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and apparently we won it not necessarily because we were technically more advanced, but because of the production values that we could offer them and some of the techniques we were proposing that, you know, this is more than just doing a Zoom meeting. This is now a full on TV production. So, um, yeah, we're controlling it from from here, from the UK, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and also, it's just to say our service levels, as in replying to an email in the same day, type things, you know. Yeah. We surprise, we surprise yeah. our, our American agency say it's not your statement. So there's stuff around that which is just I think generally was applicable. It's probably more focused now because you know deadlines are shorter, service needs to be up, you need to be on your game more, you need to be more creative. That just sorry, your your pipe's not big enough, Steve. <laughs> oh, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm finished. <laughs> uh, Dean, I'm going to come to you uh, just because we're nearly up, up for time. But when live and hy well, hybrid comes and live comes back next year, which we all know it will, how will you gear up the team? Um, will you, do you think you'll you'll recruit in a freelance way to start with, or do you think you'll be back to full time recruitment? Any sort of thoughts or planning? In, of, of yeah how you gear back up to live for next year uh, absolutely we've been planning for it surprisingly enough um uh, i i'm a big believer that we are a project based 
company. Um, and therefore, you know, we don't work on retainers, etc. So I think that for us as a business, so that we can still uh, stay um, agile and flexible and be able to move as quickly as possible, we will have a core team of individuals that will be the client facing, making sure that the client is happy, keeping up with those service uh, levels, etc., answering to emails in the same day, and that will be their responsibility. Um, but when it comes to the other parts, depending on what kind of work that you know we are doing in those events that we are doing, uh, we will uh, hire freelance talent in to be able to support us with that. Um, I'm a big believer in that being the model, whether it was virtual or not. Uh, because rather than using an amazing automotive executive producer for something um, that's actually in the pharmaceutical world, uh, we would be able to bring in an executive producer that is excellent in the pharmaceutical world because people do speak different languages. Do speak different languages. Um, so we are looking at what that core team is. Um, we have restructured the business. Uh, I was going to do that anyway. I was a new MD in January. It's what we do. And then we, make, we, we do things differently. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, we're going to keep that core team and then and so it will be a mix of the two because we will have to as we grow more. I'm hoping that we'll keep all of our virtual and grow, you know, e even more um, and also grow more um, on the uh, live face to face stroke hybrid. Um, we will have to have we'll have to employ more full time staff, but it, there will be the freelancers coming back, which I'm sure will be music to a lot of people's ears. Yeah, hopefully some hope for, yeah, a devastated community. Dale, uh, same question. Yeah, uh, pretty same answer, really, a mixture of both. Um, we've we've managed to retain everybody in the business, which is great. My, my fear is, which I suppose is a nice problem to have, we redeployed pretty much everybody out of the live division into now this virtual division that's sort of created from, from nowhere. Um, my fear is when it all starts to come back, we're going to have to now start to resource back into live. Um, so we're going to have to use quite a big freelance base, I'm sure. But we have been recruiting all the way through. We haven't stopped recruiting and we'll probably be net plus, I don't know, 10 people on the 350 we employ. We'll probably be 360 by the end of the year. So, um, that's yeah. Impressive. That is really nice to hear as well that you have yeah. kept everybody. So well done for that. Yeah, and the team have been brilliant in wanting to learn and wanting to help and, you know, got people trying to be floor managers and, and you know, moving cameras and lights and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's been brilliant that the team have worked tirelessly to, to retrain themselves into this new world. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, echo uh, Dina's comments. Well done. Uh, Steve, last question to you, the same one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you yeah, um... Similar, I mean, you know, core account teams would have dedicated full-time staff as normal. Um, we have a certain amount of core production in-house as normal. And like Dale, we managed to unfurlow, everyone's back on. In fact, we're recruiting at the moment. So it's not so much next year, it's just a need now. Um, any any agency mix, we're, we're flex and flow accordingly. Like like Dino, we are we're project-based. We are we are going into more with long-term relationships because of virtual, because of the number of programs, mm -hmm. which is great. Um, and and I think more more to do that Dale's point. We've done a certain amount of a lot of retraining. I mean, if you've got bright, talented kids, they can just repurpose themselves quite quickly. But there's a certain amount of retraining. But there'll be more focus maybe on some of the deeper skills, which is either on on the technical side or 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 the, or the platform side, um, particularly. Um, but more around the comms piece and how that actually transfers to, if you like, um, a client brief. That's that's probably a bigger growing skill set we need to do some stuff there. 
Brilliant. Well, that's we're nearly up to four o'clock. I love. Uh, I feel really honoured to have such um, esteemed panelists join me today. Uh, really appreciate. I can't believe how busy your lives must be. So really, all of us appreciate you taking the time out to uh, come here today on the talks. Uh, freelancers are on my book for free. So please source them there, add them there. Hopefully we can get them working back into doing stuff live, virtual, the rest of it. Thank you, everyone. We've got virtual focus on the whole of November, as you hopefully know. So next week, we're going to do horror stories of virtual. Um, if you have any case studies, or would like to join the panel, please do let me know. 2nd of December, we're going to focus on incentive and luxury. Um, have a great week. Go Biden, as always. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. We really hope you enjoyed those talks. And if so, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. To see what the next discussions are, please go to mustburnit.com and click on Talks in the menu bar. To contact MiceBook, please email us at info at or follow us on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs>